Hello and welcome to KPMG's Advice Worth Keeping podcast, where we hear from firm professionals, third-party thought leaders, and other luminaries on important trends, topics, and leading practices in privacy. I'm Steve Stein, partner and co-lead of KPMG's Information Governance and Privacy Practice in the U.S., and joining me today is Jim Lai from our U.S. practice. Jim, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. How you doing? All good. Sort of gloomy today, though, in Chicago. It'll change in 10 minutes. Just wait. <laughs> well, great. Well, Jim, thanks for joining me on this episode as we discuss cookies. Well, not of the uh, sugar or oatmeal raisin variety, but cookies used in internet marketing. We're going to discuss how these work, how they're considered in the data privacy context, and how the new California Consumer Privacy Act, which everyone knows as CCPA, which goes into effect on January 1st of 2020, will impact the use of cookies. As many of our listeners likely already know, cookies are a type of tracking technology known as locally stored objects or LSOs. Collectively, LSOs are small files that a web page or mobile app will place on someone's computer or mobile device. Other types of LSOs include flash cookies, clear GIFs, and pixel tags. So Jim, why would the owner of a web page or mobile app provide LSOs on someone's computer? Fundamentally, what these things do is let the publisher know who you are. Back in the 90s, the joke was that on the internet, no one knows that you're a dog. Well, the cookies on similar objects are how we do know exactly what kind of dog you are now. How are they used? An object that you place on a computer or a mobile device does one of two things. It either stores information that's related to the device and its users, or it transmits that information back to the publisher or to a third party. And so originally, back in the day, when cookies were a sometimes food, they would be used to do things like store your preferences. If you set a language or if you wanted to save your password or your login ID, a cookie would be placed on your computer and that's what would record that information. As the technology's gotten more sophisticated, we've started to see publishers use them for advertising purposes because they want to know who the visitor to their site or the user of their application is and therefore match them to other information that they have so that they can target ads based on the individual's interests. And so the way this works now is the cookies will either record information about the user, so what sites you go to, what types of applications you like to use, and they will transmit that information to a series of platforms, either a demand-side platform, which publishes advertisements to you and me when we visit websites, or to a supply-side platform, which connects advertising preferences with advertisers who have content that matches what they want to sell. Further, get into that whole ecosystem on either mm -hmm. the demand side or the supply side. Who are the common players and what would one of our listeners expect to have certain cookies on their platforms? Well, if you've ever received an ad based on something that you've done online, there's probably a cookie sitting on your computer associated with a web browser or one or more mobile applications on a device like a tablet or a phone. And those objects are recording what you do online, how you interact with publisher websites, how you got there, where you go from there. And they compile that information into a profile. And that profile gets shared across multiple devices. So if you have a phone, a tablet, a PC, Cookies can be placed on all of those and used to combine your activity 
across multiple devices into one record. And that goes to the demand side platform, which looks at the kinds of things you're likely to be interested in. That information goes onto the supply side platform, which matches the ad space on websites and applications to advertisers who have content that the algorithms think you'll be interested in based on that profile that was created. So it's a huge industry. Oh yeah, there are thousands and thousands of these parties. If you've ever wondered why sometimes your websites are moving so slowly, it's because there are lots of these objects on there. And even though all of them are small and each of them individually doesn't do a whole lot in terms of data usage, the volume of them and the number of parties in this ecosystem can cause a snowballing effect. It sounds like it certainly has become or is becoming even more and more a data privacy concern or consideration, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that these profiles do is they follow us around the web and they compile intelligence about the things that we are interested in. And sometimes this is fairly innocuous. Maybe I like skiing. Sometimes it can be more sensitive. For example, if I am looking for information about certain types of medications and then the the advertising algorithms will pick that up and they will promote those things to me in ways that might reveal information about me that I would have preferred to have kept between me and my doctor, for example. Right, right. And so how have data privacy laws impacted cookie management? Privacy laws generally control what organizations are allowed to do when it comes to the collection and use of personal information. And so to the extent that a cookie or an object is recording information that can be used to identify or describe you as a person, then that's where these privacy concerns come in. As we've gotten more and more sophisticated in our advertising technology, we've also moved from solely profiling your online activity to also combining that with other signals that other data brokers are putting together about things that you and I will do in the real world. And so now these technologies are enabling a really, really detailed profile of our entire lives. Describe some of the laws that impact this activity. Sure. So probably the first regulation to specifically target this type of technology was the e-privacy directive out of the European Union. Everyone thinks about GDPR as the primary law around the use of information. This directive has come around, has been around before that and will likely morph into a new EU regulation. What it talks about is requiring consent from the individual who's visiting the website before the publisher can place or read from any kind of local object that they want to put on on the device. So if you or I go to a website, we might see that can notice that says, hey, we use cookies on this web page to do certain things like serve advertisements. If you want to control these, they will then give you a link to either something built into the page itself or to maybe a third-party control that will let you express some choices. What the GDPR has done has really altered the way that that transaction operates. Previously, before the GDPR, there was inconsistency in Europe around whether that consent could be implied. So I can tell you what you want information and you can opt out of it or explicit, in which case I can't place the object until you've agreed to let me do so. Recently, the Court of Justice in the European Union has determined that all consents must be Mm opt-in because the GDPR's consent definition applies to e-privacy. Here in the United States, we deal with the GDPR and e-privacy directive because so many of our publishers operate in Europe as well as the United States or globally. But we also have laws that are popping up homegrown here, like the California Consumer Privacy Act which is kind of a mini GDPR. It gives individuals in California certain rights over how businesses collect and use their personal information. 
a lot of our clients are asking about this question of data sharing, mm -hmm. right? Whether mm -hmm. the use of a cookie by a given company and then providing it to potentially a third party, does that constitute data sharing under CCPA? Any thoughts on that, Jim? Yeah, it can. Back in the day when my website placed cookies that I had chosen on my own to serve my own personal purposes, the publisher was the only one reading that information. Today, because of the number of third parties in this advertising ecosystem, that information is going all over the place, including to companies that you might not expect. For example, a lot of the large search and social companies that operate their own platforms also have businesses that will collect information from outside of their own ecosystem and associate that with profiles that they're creating for advertising purposes so that they can monetize information even when you're not logged into their systems. And again, so what practically, procedurally, does CCPA mm -hmm. manage in that effort? Sure. So CCPA provides fundamentally a number of consumer rights with respect to how businesses collect and use their information. The first two are the rights to information and access, and they let you request from a business information about the categories of personal information that that business is collecting and using uh, and what we're doing with it. And then also to have a copy of that information delivered to them in a portable format. So that means if I'm engaging with a publisher, I can contact them and say, tell me what information you've collected from me. I want to see it and I want to take it with me. The next right that CCPA provides that can affect the way that cookies operate on a website is the right to have information deleted. If that information is getting collected and that information is personal, I can have that information erased under certain circumstances. And to the extent that the publisher or any of the businesses in that chain of cookies and demand-side platforms and supply-side platforms and advertisers may fall within the scope of that deletion request, they may have to deal with that as well. Finally, and this is probably the most important one, is the right to have a business stop selling your personal information. Right. That's the button question yes. right, that everybody asks. The, the don't sell my data button? Yes. Right. And so what that talks about is being able to tell a business not to share personal information with third parties who are going to use it for their own purposes and who have given the business some kind of valuable exchange for it. That can be money, it can be free services, it can be access to other technologies. It can be any number of things, as long as there's a benefit to the business and some independent use right to the third party. So how are you advising your clients as it relates mm -hmm. to the button? The button needs to take people to a website or a page that they can use to understand how to exercise those rights. A lot of clients are using that to direct people to like a customer service workflow or to a web form which is great for information that's residing sort of within their databases. Right. Cookies and similar objects don't always put that information in the same places and may often be difficult to track down because they operate across multiple devices and share information very widely. One of the things that businesses are starting to look at is whether or not the cookie controls that they have built for European compliance purposes can be used here. Fundamentally, all they're really doing is turning the storage and transmission of data on or off on sort of a category by category basis. In theory, if you've defined a control as stop selling information to third parties, you could build that into your cookie control and let people do that self-service by just visiting the control, 
shutting that off. And what that would do would be disabling those cookies from either storing new information in a profile or sharing that out to a third party. So what's your prediction? If you go to Europe and you're on, on the internet, most sites have some sort of cookie management consent form. In America, we see more and more sites that have similar banners and yeah. similar notices. Like, is your prediction that the internet experience for Americans is going to be similar to one would experience in Europe? A lot of it depends on where the other states and the federal government go from here. California has introduced the most comprehensive state privacy law that's been enacted. So far, other states are working on their own versions of things. Some states have done their own take on what a privacy law should look like. But really, California's has been the most comprehensive. Businesses have a choice. They can either treat this as a globally applicable standard anywhere in the United States and give everyone the same rights they give Californians, or they can try to figure out whether or not a particular person is a Californian and thus protected by CCPA or not, and really focus those efforts on meeting the requests of people who live in California. Right. You know, from an actual implementation standpoint, are you getting to those discussions yet, or are people still trying to figure out both whether the button is necessary or whether the consent, the opt-in consent is necessary? I mean, the button's going to have to be there because there are a lot of people who live in California. It's the world's fifth biggest economy by itself. Even if business only is targeting Californians with CCPA compliance, the requirements for publishing information and making that button accessible are going to persist. The question is whether or not other people will be able to benefit from them. So if you or I, who don't live in California, select the Don't Sell My Information button and make that request, the business has a choice as to whether or not it's going to honor that. And a lot of it really depends on their level of sophistication, the expectations of their customer base. So if they have particularly sensitive customers who are used to be treated in a certain way, maybe because they build premium products or services, they may choose to give these rights more broadly because that's what their customers will want. And as a brand issue, they feel it's the right thing to do for their ongoing success. Companies that may not have the similar customer base or the same considerations, might choose to really focus on California, particularly if they expect a high volume of these requests to come in, given that many privacy programs are run pretty lean and may not be able to deal with requests from all over the country right away. So this sounds like this is a, uh, I don't know if it's the Full Employment for Privacy Professionals Act or issue. It seems as though there's somewhat of a lack of guidance in the marketplace on this topic. So the CCPA was enacted in 2018 very, very quickly. It was even being amended in the California legislature right up until this week. Even the attorney general who's supposed to enforce it has only just released their draft of regulations. So there's not a whole lot of information out there from an authoritative source. And so many of us are reading it. We're drawing analogies to GDPR and other markets and providing risk-based advice that is going to necessarily evolve as the actual firm rules start to shape up. So as we close, any final thoughts or any final recommendations to our listeners on this topic? Yeah. So there are a few things that businesses can do right now in order to prepare for the CCPA requirements when they start to become enforced. One would be to understand what all your cookies are, and that's traditional cookies, flash cookies, pixel tags, all of the locally stored objects. You want to make sure that you have a good understanding of where they are, what they are, and also whether any of that information is A, personal, and then B, gets shared with a third party. And then finally, to the extent that information sharing with a third party does happen and that information is personal, 
they should evaluate whether under CCPA that transfer of information counts as a sale because that third party is giving them some kind of benefit for the information and then doing things other than specifically supporting the publisher's business purposes. Well, that's just great. Really good advice and a very interesting topic that we have been inundated with questions about as we work with companies on CCPA compliance programs. So, Jim, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you joining me today. And to all our listeners, our future podcasts will continue to address topics in information governance and privacy. Tune in shortly for more topics, including comparing GDPR to CCPA, implementing privacy by design and others. Finally, I'd like to thank you for listening to our Advice Worth Keeping podcast series. Should you wish to discuss this topic further or connect with me on other privacy topics, feel free to contact me at sstein at kpmg.com. Again, that's s-s-s-t-e-i-n at kpmg.com. To find this podcast online, please go to kpmg.com forward slash us forward slash podcast. Thank you for your time.